Hey, it's Daryl and Anthony. This is a high energy start to the podcast. <laughs> the podcast in question being original content. That's right. Uh, the we it's the it's TechCrunch's podcast for reviewing streaming content, mostly movies and TV shows. Though I'm sure we'll find a way to get some comic books and maybe games or whatever in at some point. Yes, actually, uh, I can't talk about it yet, but there might be some comic book news to talk about next week. Oh, interesting. All right, all right. Um, but yeah, so we're going to talk about the week's headlines. We're going to we're adding a segment to the show where we talk a little bit about what else we've been watching, and then we're going to do an in-depth review of the new show from Netflix, American Vandal. Yes, which comes out when you are listening to this. It, it will be available. On <laughs> right, it's the like 15th. breaking news. Yes, uh, I mean, or you could be listening to this far in the future. And then, you know, it came out on September 15th, 2017. Right. right. Or you, you could be listening to this in the past, right? <laughs> you may be listening to this in like the post-apocalyptic wasteland and there's no streaming services um, and there's no American Vandal. Who knows? Yeah. You we, found this as a cultural artifact. We should explain everything then. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's why this episode just has like stops for very long explanations <laughs> of just the entire, the entire thing. Let's start with electricity. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so in terms of the news, I mean, the big thing, I mean, I think there, there wasn't a ton of news, probably because Apple had its big event this week. And I think a lot of people don't really want to compete with Apple for news. Yes. Apple has their, uh, annual news explosion in the middle of not a literal explosion, but in the middle of the uh, week in September at some time they do their iPhone reveal and it sucks up all the air in the newsroom in terms of tech stuff. Um, yeah. It's yeah. kind of fun to like when somebody's like, "Hey, do you want to cover something today?" and you just like respond like, "Lol, no." Yeah, exactly. It's it's very weird. This so normally I I find people have have like steer clear of it. Like there's definitely right. a depression there in terms of pitches. The weird thing this week is that since I'm covering a lot of the transportation stuff, there was also the Frankfurt uh Motor Show this week in Germany. Um so there was a lot of like car news, which is like you could right. you could understand how they would not really think. Oh wait, maybe this will this won't you know matter because of iPhone news. But iPhone news is that big; like it just subsumes all news. It's not really about like right. tech or otherwise. It's like right. You know. I was really shocked that um, that Disney put out their news about J.J. Abrams directing Episode Nine the same day as the yes. Apple event. I thought that, and I'm actually kind of mad because I wrote that post and I thought it was going to do really well. And I think like two hours after it hit, like no one cared anymore because we were all talking about Apple. Well, and then he was at the Apple event. <laughs> right. It was very puzzling. I, don't, I, I guess maybe they just assumed it was going to leak or they just didn't want to want it to be that big a deal yet. Or, it was I a mean, very weird timing because not only was he there, but Bob Iger was there. Like everyone <laughs> key involved in that decision. Well, right. but Kathleen Kennedy wasn't there, I don't think. Unless she as was. As far as we know. I mean, maybe she was. Yeah. 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 But it was, uh, yeah, that was, that was any other day that would have been like a huge, huge news out of the park news. And then later right. there was the update about the actual like release date of the right. uh, third sequel there. So any of that would have done terrific on a normal day, but it was not a normal day. <laughs> it was not, it was not, it was not. So yeah. the, um, the big, I mean, obviously there's iPhone stuff, uh, which may I, I think is probably not super relevant to to what we're talking about today, but the big thing being Apple TV supporting 4K. Yeah, yeah, the Apple TV got a hardware update. It's now called Apple TV 4K, uh, on sale concurrently with the old 1080p version. If 
that's your level of <laughs> you know resolution or whatever. Right. Because uh, you need a TV that can actually support that. Yes. Yeah. You need the output device to support 4K as well. Um, and if you have a receiver, you need the receiver to support 4K as well. It's so many steps. Uh, <laughs> this is from personal problems that I'm that I'm venting about. But uh, the, it also supports HDR. So it's a 4K HDR capable box and... It will support content from Netflix and Amazon uh, that has both of those. And that's those have been the primary sources for streaming so far on other 4K-capable set-top boxes like this, like the Amazon uh, Fire TV and the Roku... I don't know what it's called. The Roku thing. Whatever their most recent they one They call is. it the Roku Fancy. Yeah, that, I'm pretty sure that's what it's called. We'll yeah, that's that. the name. <laughs> uh, <laughs> So that's the big news, and and but they did say also, and this is maybe big, bigger news uh, relevant to us because it's like net new. But iTunes is going to be uh, providing 4K movies and TV content as well. And right. the the big thing for consumers is that if you bought HD movies of like recent releases, which for which there are 4K digital versions available, you'll be upgraded to those automatically. So you don't have to do anything. To get that, you get that for free, and then also um, the they're going to price them the same as the HD versions. So at twenty dollars for a purchase, and uh, roughly ten dollars or whatever for the rentals, I believe. So yeah, right. Which I mean, I guess makes sense because the the price just kind of has been creeping upwards as the quality. So they're kind of Apple is saying, no, no, no we, like it's not really sustainable to just have the the price keep going up. So we're gonna like. Just hold it at basically the the HD price. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's not. It's like kind of a bonus. It's only a bonus, really. Like, and this, I would have to fact check this, but I think that when I go into Google Play Movies and TV, and there's a 4K version, it's significantly more expensive than a lot of the other movies for which there is no 4K version. And that might just have to do with release timing, but I don't think it is. Um, So, but you know, capping it is a good move. It's the right move. Because it also is like people aren't just aren't going to pay more, basically, right? Like there are other options, and people will use those options if if pressed. Yeah, well, you know what I'm talking you- about. <laughs> uh, well, let me let me ask you this: Like, do you how mu- how often do you now buy you know digital copies of movies, whether that's from iTunes or or another service? Well, I mean, now actually, so that's a good point. Or but rent. it's the 4K. The 4K stuff has caused that to happen on occasion now because it's like the only place you can get the 4k version sometimes is through that mechanism. So I do that more often now than I have ever done before. Um, and it's usually the rental though. Like I do not really purchase movies to own cause it doesn't make sense to me. I, there are, there's like, I can count on one hand how many movies I would rewatch enough to merit yeah. owning them. So, right. Yeah. I, I would say I have um I, I probably have more that I'd want to own and and I do own but like I think I reached a point where it, partly because in my house like we also have an Xbox and we do a lot of our not house it's an apartment it's I don't know why I said house <laughs> um, but like that we've got like multiple streaming devices right and so like and and I can only you know access the the movies that I own from the Apple TV. And and so I'm like hesitant to like spend a lot of money on something that I'm not sure how accessible it's going to be on the TV in the living room. Yeah. And so now I've like actually started to switch back to like 
um, Blu-ray in the cases where I actually want to buy something, which is relatively low. Most of the time, I will just um, you know watch watch it on Netflix or some other service. Maybe rent it on on iTunes if that's the only way, and then like if buying it on iTunes is the only way I can watch it, and I just for some reason desperately need to watch it, then I will like very grudgingly buy it on iTunes. But that is like a you know not not really like common behavior for me. Last stop on the Anthony Media Train. Yeah, um, that's right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, and I I I'll bet that's a lot more people, and I think I think that's why it'll be more interesting to see what. Apple does to anticipate what comes next. Like, and that's kind of what their content play is potentially about, right? That would probably live in some kind of subscription based streaming service. Um, Cause I think a lot of people are like you and I think, you know, and, and the physical thing is a good point too, right? Cause even if you are a person who wants to own movies, like the only way you can truly own them in a way that you really control is if you go buy the actual physical copy, right? Yeah, exactly. And even then there are some playback limitations, but it's nothing like, like iTunes could literally disappear tomorrow. Right. Probably won't. And then all your stuff is gone, right? (laughs) Right. Exactly. I mean, it's, it's unlikely, but there is that sense of just like, okay, like if you really, if you're going to, you know, shout out the money to buy it, then like, why not buy the physical copy? At least that's how it feels to me yeah. at this point. Yeah, plus you get the cool steel case or whatever comes with it. Right, right. Well, and you usually get a digital copy with it now too as well, right? Right, with, um, yeah, ultraviolet, right? Is I think it's the system that a lot of the studios use. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Um, um, but yeah. I think that also, yeah, it speaks to like how my the, the feeling that this announcement was like on the one hand a a, you know, a relatively big announcement, but that it was also to a certain extent Apple kind of holding its fire and like that the really big ambitious TV stuff, which is <laughs> every time Apple has a TV announcement, they're kind of like, oh, maybe the next one will be the really big one. And uh, m- maybe that's still coming. Yeah, yeah, that's true. It always does feel like they gave us something, but not the really big thing we were looking for, right? That, that's been the history of Apple TV, I think forever they they always right. seem one step behind either the competition right. or expectations yeah i think the one exception was when they did the the tvos but like even that like i think maybe it seemed exciting at the time of announcement but yeah kind of has, hasn't really gone like, that was very interesting because like, people were clamoring for apps people were like we want apps we want apps on the tv even developers were like we want to be able to make apps for this thing I would bet if you looked at the usership numbers for apps on TV, it is dismal, right? Like, right. I don't think it's gotten any better as time has gone on either. Right. And there was certainly zero mention of that this week. Yes, that's right. There was zero mention of that. Yeah, it wasn't it even was, a thing. Like, there was right. no like, oh, and tvOS gets these new capabilities for developers. There was nothing like that. So Right. It was just, hey, like, we're going to support 4K. We're going to sell 4K. We're going to have, um, you know, 4K, we'll support 4K from, like, Netflix um, and then I guess the last piece was was also having uh, live like live sports, yeah. Um, which I think you and I probably don't care about too much. Oh, but, sports! Yeah, but is obviously very important for the TV business model. And I guess it's basically like an integration with ESPN and potentially other sports services. Although I guess I mean ESPN is the the, the big one, and it's just a way to sort of highlight live games yeah. from ESPN or other services. Yeah, so I think this was like one thing that was not 
like maybe we I, there was some hand waving on stage, or maybe I was like busy writing a post at that point. But <laughs> or you just heard sports and you and like, tuned out. over. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But it, they, when you look into it, because I did look into it afterwards, and I looked into it from a, like a specifically Canadian perspective, just because that's the site that Apple right. served up when I typed in apple.com TV right, or right, whatever. Right. Um, the, but it the, had the, the enormous Canadian sports market. Yeah, yeah. For CFL. <laughs> That's our football league. Uh, actually, what do people like uh, lacrosse here? Lacrosse is the big one. People love it. Wow. Wow. Yeah. That's great. That's anyway. Really so <laughs> what, did the, what did the Canadian website have to tell you, Daryl? Well, I'm just, it backed up that like, this is about services that you already have and that have access to elsewhere, right? So in the same way that it's ESPN in the US, like in, right. in Canada, it was Sportsnet, um, and then uh, a few other things, but including Five TV, which is like Bell, one of our larger sort of uh, TV cable service providers. Right. So if you have those subscriptions and you have those like authorized in Apple TV, it will highlight that content in the new TV app, which Canada is actually getting for the first time, but which uh, was available in the U.S. and continues to be available in the U.S. But that is basically the thrust of this product right. announcement, I think. Yeah, I think that's right. And I mean, part of that, what that speaks to is just how insanely expensive the rights to, to pro sports, to, to broadcast pro sports are. And so like a lot of these announcements that you see are like companies like Amazon or, you know, our corporate overlords at Verizon, you know, spending some insane amount of money for like five football games. Yeah, and not even the prime, the prime football games, and so you and then you have Netflix where they base where you know they've basically said we have no interest in that. That is just like a whole other business. We're not going to do it. Um, and so like and then Apple uh, basically being like, all right, well, it seems like they they are they're not focused on that. They're just like, well, we'll just create this sort of fun little thing, but we don't want to at least for now get into the business of actually like acquiring sports content. Yeah, I think. Uh... I think Matthew pointed out on Twitter today that like the NFL viewership is down and I don't know if he's joking or not because I can seldom tell on Twitter. But it, uh, <laughs> We should say for people who don't, haven't memorized the TechCrunch Mastin, Matthew is Matthew Panzerino, our, our boss. Yes, that's The right. editor of TechCrunch. Uh, but he said, and he like may or may not be joking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, he said that that gives them an in, like gives Apple some negotiating room or something. So he's thinking maybe they'll go after that. But again, he could be totally joking and, you know, internet, who knows? <laughs> it's a good thing he doesn't listen to this podcast. Like, <laughs> you idiots. <laughs> He'll issue a correction. Yeah. Uh, okay. Is that, is there anything else you wanted to think of or you thought about the Apple TV announcement? Are you going to no. get one? Would you even bother getting one? No, I I don't think so. I mean, I mean, we That's so no. we, we have we have uh, I have a, I have a very old Apple TV at this point. So I mean, I, it is probably time for me to update it. But yeah. I don't know. Um, I think you I have think one pre uh, TVOS, right? Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Uh, but we, I mean, really, I mostly just watch like streaming services and Blu-rays on my roommate's Xbox. So I don't really. Well, I think the move is to get the Gen One because then you get the. Um... Like if you want Amazon Prime, like that would be the only thing I would be like, oh yeah, I want. I'm I'm excited that Amazon Prime Video is coming to Apple TV, but I will be happy with it on my existing one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, nothing. I I already have an Android TV that does all that stuff in four with 4K. So that's kind of the real decider. Is it's basically parody 
for that device. It doesn't offer anything to me that makes a big enough difference to prompt a switch. Hmm. Yeah. So yeah, no, none, none of it. I mean, it was all like, man, it's fine, but like, it wasn't, it wasn't super exciting for yeah. as, as a consumer. Yeah. All right. Well, moving on. What all else right. is new and fun? Uh, well, so Amazon uh, announced some new deals. I think the most interesting to me was this show called Tong Wars, um, and uh, it's going to be uh, created. It was created by this uh, writer Paul Adonazio. I might not be pronouncing it correctly, and directed by uh, the, the director Wong Kar Wai, who's he made In the Mood for Love and Chunking Express, and is you know probably one of the most you know, respected directors working right now. So, and, and I, as far as I know, has really not done a ton of television work. So that to me was like super exciting. Ooh. Oh yeah. I'm, I'm looking at this for the first time because I was getting my haircut before. This <laughs> <laughs> Tune in to disrupt next week to see Daryl's new haircut. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, this is cool. Far, and I love Fred Armiston and Maya Rudolph together. That's like a fantastic right. duo. Right, so that's a def- different show. That's not the Wong Kar Wai show. Oh, that's, there's a couple of different uh, uh, shows that Amazon has picked up. One is Tong Wars. I thought it was weird that Wong Kar Wai would be directing a comedy <laughs> right. starring Fred Armisen right. and Maya Rudolph. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, this is all grouped together in this uh, Variety article, which we'll link to in the show notes. <laughs> but that's why Daryl's a little confused. But yeah, so there's also a, a, a Fred Armisen and Maya Rudolph comedy. Ooh. So is it a TV show or is it a, you know, because I actually I've run into this a couple times and I won't name names, but uh, sometimes the PR companies that, at these um, streaming services can be very particular about what you call a TV show and what you call perhaps a limited series. But do you know anything else additional about the, the Wong no. Kar Wai project? I, I think, I mean, these are all fairly early, so I, I think um, it may, may even be too early to say which one it is. Oh, yeah, it's an hour-long drama. Okay. Yeah. Set but it in might the still 19th be a limited... century San Francisco. Yeah. And starring Fred Armiston and Maya Rudolph. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. Well, no, it's also no. just interesting because, like, I think there were some other, like, news um which i didn't send you uh, um about amazon which this week where they've been canceling shows no i was gonna bring that up too so i'm glad you did but yeah Yeah. the last tycoon and and i think part of what they were saying is that basically jeff bezos is um really pushing amazon to say to like have you know a kind of breakout hit yeah and so they've had transparent which is like critically acclaimed but i think is not you know a monster hit and 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 I think uh, you know on the level of Game of Thrones or even on the level of, of say a House of Cards and I and I think there's some pressure now to to actually deliver that I don't know if that's what they're thinking of with with Tong Wars in particular but but I think there's there's a sense that there's a little bit more pressure on Amazon to to go for some of the these like big swings. Well, it sounds like it could be that or like uh, I mean, it sounds like it has elements of that. It has elements of The Sopranos. It has elements of um, what was the the other one with the Brooklyn, is that what it was called? Boardwalk Empire? Boardwalk Empire, yes. Is Brooklyn involved in that at all? I don't, uh, I don't think so. <laughs> it's it's near New York, sure. Okay. so Yeah, it takes place, you know, in, I think in Atlantic City, I believe. Well, same. Same, same idea. 
I've I've only seen like one episode and and that was a while ago. This so is a remember. grand tour of my <laughs> severe misunderstanding. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, doesn't it sound like it could be trying to tap into kind of that, right? Like it's got the organized right. crime element as well. Right, right. Um, and so it's going to be this, yeah, like it could be like, you know, they don't say anything about budget yet, but it could be this very big, you know, lush historical drama, um, which could be, yeah, a, a huge deal. It's also just, inter- I mean, if you're a Wong Kar Wai fan, you sort of know that like he, he, the way he makes movies is like. He'll like go and he'll have a script. Maybe he might not even have a script and he'll just shoot for like a year mm. and like the whole thing might change in editing. And, and it's this very like improvised, crazy style where like the stars at the end of shooting are like, we still don't even know what this movie is about. Wow. Um, and usually it turns out really well, but it also means that he makes one movie like every like five years. That sounds very difficult to translate into a project like this. <laughs> right. And so this, where like it seems like it's written by somebody else, and presumably they're just bringing uh, Wong Kar Wai in to, to direct, you know, maybe one, maybe a, a handful of episodes. Like, it'll be interesting to see how he functions in what is presumably a much more conventional environment. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think he was just kind of like a hired gun? Like they waved a big check? I don't know. I think so. And maybe that's what he wanted. Maybe he was like, I don't really know what I want to do next is my next big project. And so like, you know, if you're going to pay me a lot of money to come and like take somebody else's script and make, you know, a beautiful couple of hours, um, that seems like it it could be really promising. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. It's interesting because like a lot of the other projects, um, they were killing were like period pieces, right? But yeah, this yeah. is a, t- a different kind of period piece, right? Because it's you know it's it's Asian and people love Asians. Yeah, and it's also a crime pot boiler, according to Variety. Yeah. Well, well the other thing it, it makes you wonder is. about is uh, you know that all these services, especially Netflix, I guess, um, are like really going after like a global audience, and so is this is hiring Wong Kar Wai and like doing a story focused on, even though it's set in San Francisco, it's focused on Chinese immigrants, something that potentially could be oh. relevant to uh, to a global audience. That's interesting. But it, so, and like, it's interesting too, because Amazon of all of the larger tech companies is probably one of the uh, most ignorant, not most ignorant, it, that's a negative connotation, but like they just don't seem to care that much about markets outside of, the, of North America. Like they care. Right. But they only care eventually. Like their initial goal has always been and focus has been the U.S. even for much longer periods than you might expect them to do. Right, right. I think, I mean, yeah, I think Netflix, I mean, maybe Amazon in particular, but especially of the streaming companies, I think Netflix is really the only one that's, that's done, that's done like really serious like, yeah. uh, global expansion. But, you know, you could, I could imagine that, that, that something like Tong Wars could, could, you know, be part of a, a more global strategy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they they would have to open up the actual mechanism of the the stream. Like even the they brought Prime Video to Canada earlier this year, I think. Um, but it's still kind of limited in a number of ways. So I'm not even sure what other markets it's available in Prime Video. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, <laughs> I was trying to dance around the fact that I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know. It's, uh, <laughs> Well, so maybe not. Afterwards, I just, the I just, I just, <laughs> it's, it's interesting. I, I'm, I would be because I feel like, I mean, my sense is that that Wonka Wyman is like sort of beloved among like sort of a, a very specific set of like movie fans in the U.S. and in North America, but mm. like also has this huge global following. So it'd be kind of strange to hire him and not 
have a show that was available globally. But yeah, well, that could be a good marquee product yeah. for them to go out with uh, yeah. if they do plan additional international expansion. Yeah. Um, cool. Yeah. Anything else about Amazon? I mean, I, th- I think it is super interesting that basically Bezos dropped a hammer and was like, this isn't what, this isn't what I want and <laughs> overrid the, their unit and right. gave them new direction. Right. Right. And there was, what was it? The, um, I think there's that, like, they, for some reason, like, Amazon was going real, like, deep into, like, F. Scott Fitzgerald because they also had a sh- yes. Christina Ricci show about Zelda Fitzgerald. And I think they were, like, in production of their second season and had spent, like, millions of dollars getting the second re- season ready. And then they pulled the plug. So it was clear that there was a very sharp change in direction, that this wasn't, like, a normal decision-making process. No, exactly. It was, like, sudden and it was probably... uh violent not not physically right. violent but i'm sure that we know of yeah, yeah 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 i'm sure there was some yelling i don't know if actually i don't know if bezos is known for yelling but there was some right. definite flexing right yeah Just threatening flexing <laughs> yeah i wonder if he's mad that um because you know he he's a huge star trek fan he was he was in the latest star trek movie yeah and like the fact that you know, I guess there was no way that, that Amazon was going to get the U.S. Oh, I guess maybe this is why is like, you know, so Amazon has the U.S. rights to the new Star Trek show. I'm sorry, not Amazon is not involved in this at all. CBS <laughs> has the U.S. rights to the uh, to the new Star Trek show. And then Netflix basically has has the exclusive like everywhere else in the world, mm-hmm. um, which I was going to wonder if, if he was bummed out about that. But I guess like the fact that Amazon isn't really global yet and for video like that, that was never really going to be in, in the cards. But. Yeah. Got to think that there's some part of him that like wishes he was that his you know company was the one bringing uh, you know bringing Star Trek to the world. Oh yeah, I'm sure it's the only reason he started this, a streaming video company. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's if I were to start a streaming video company, that's what it would be for. That's what it would be for. Yeah, uh, Anthony Flix dot Prime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think the only other thing in that that lineup looks neat. Like, I mean, I also mentioned I do like. Fred Armisen and Ryan Rudolph, so that could be good. And it's co-created yeah. by Alan Yang, who is co-creator of Master of None. I like Master right. of None. Um, right. The the I read the comic The Boys, so this seems that's interesting that they're making a comic out of that. Yeah. Have you read that? Uh, I've read a little bit of it, yeah. But it's it's yeah. I think we've talked about like I that guy. Well, in the same way that that Mark Miller isn't really my flavor, like um, Garth Ennis isn't really my flavor too. I agree but. with you here. I I didn't like that. I read the whole thing because I'm like a completionist when it comes to comics yeah. or whatever. But I was like, okay, this is fine. I guess it was. It's, right. It is like it's very much like uh, what's his face that you just yeah said the name of uh, right the other guy. <laughs> well, Warren Ellis. No, War- no, Mark Miller. Mark Miller. Yeah. Yeah. It it is very much like him, and that it feels like a teen boy was like, "What would be cool if these <laughs> was like the each most other? badass thing we could do?" Yeah, 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 exactly. So, um, and it's also, I should also say that our whole Seth discussion Rogen. of or no, Amazon not, should have an asterisk by it because I just looked this up. Um, Prime Video, um, as of the end of 2016, is available in more than 200 countries. Well, you know, but which countries are they? <laughs> you just we extrapolated from Gerald being dissatisfied with the Canadian options to be like, well, Amazon clearly not clearly, uh, not serious about uh, the global market, but I think that uh, that that is not actually uh, true anymore. Well, I mean, gonna edit out all the other. <laughs> Wait, but there are only 195 countries in the world today. 
<laughs> uh, okay, countries and territories. All right, are you are you are you happy? Now I'm happy. Okay, right. And I mean, I I imagine that it's sort of like the the Netflix rollout where, um, you know, the extent to which the library is interesting probably varies from country to country. Right. And and that the the only real way you can have sort of a a, a global ser- a service with content that's you know, good, that is a good content library globally is, is with originals because otherwise like buying the rights, you yeah. know, it, it just gets so complicated. Um, I think, you know, any, I think anyone with Netflix who's traveled internationally has had that experience where you open Netflix in another country and suddenly like the, what's available is just completely different except yeah. for the Netflix originals. Well, my video account is actually like a U.S. prime video account. Um, and then they, even whenever I watch in Canada, it says like, Watch abroad or whatever. I think it says watch abroad or watch while you're on the road or something like that. And yeah. then it just shows you a limited selection of what's available. So Right. Uh okay. Enough enough Amazon. Is there any other news this week or should we move on to our next segment? Let's move on to our next segment. Excellent. Great setup. Great execution. <laughs> <laughs> the setup yeah, it was like a pass and then a slam dunk. <laughs> yeah. What's the uh what is the segment? <laughs> what we've been watching. Oh yes, that's yeah. Right. Which I should say, by the way, that um, uh, our, I, I mean, this is probably not a, a a a totally unique thing, but the one of the podcasts that I listen listen to is is the Slash Filmcast. Um, Daryl, I mean, sorry, <laughs> wow, words they're really tough for me today. <laughs> Devendra Hardawar, who who now uh, works for our sister site Engadget, um, he's one of the hosts there. Uh, they have uh, a format which involves what we've been watching news and then an in-depth review oh, it's um, out so of, indirectly daryl and i have basically just completely ripped off their format and and so and we did not ask for permission so all i can all i can say is i'm sorry i'm gonna apologize to devendra in person the next time i see him yeah so it'll be fine but i think the feeling was just i mean especially daryl watches a lot of stuff that isn't that we're not mentioning in the in the in-depth review so we wanted to have a space to to talk about that as well, rather than like I think in the last episode we just kind of randomly would bring it up during news stories. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This will make it easier if I try to code chapters again, which I tried to do last time and failed at. But I will try again if you're listening in a podcast player that's first chapters. So look for them, please. Yeah. please be there. <laughs> um, <laughs> so Daryl, what have you been watching? Oh boy, what have I been watching? A lot of stuff actually. Uh, so I did, we, I finished watching the first season of the mist, which we talked a bit about, um, right. last time. And I thoroughly enjoyed that throughout. I thought it was good fun, kind of in like a harmless fun, whatever. It was like, it wasn't scary. It's not like it, it doesn't succeed at being scary. Um, but it succeeds okay. at being a plot driven sort of creepy sci-fi show. Um, if that makes sense, like character driven, like you, you pay attention to the character stories. The parts that are scary are not scary so much as they are just like, oh, that's oh, that's disturbing, or oh, that's weird. What the heck is going on? Um, it's a little bit like watching like a like a discovery show about like a ghost house or something like that. In that regard, you know <laughs> <Okay>. what I mean? <laughs> sure. Sure. Yeah. Like it gives you maybe some frisance or whatever, but Oh no, my different languages again. Uh, it, but it doesn't, it never like, yeah, you never hide your eyes or anything like that. So, but I, I'm, I'm curious to see what they do with the next season. Like they left it very open. So, okay. They're going to do more with that, uh, without giving any additional spoilers. That's all I'll say about that. Um, I also started watching Riverdale. Oh on, yeah! On the advice of our uh, executive video producer Yashad, 
Kulkarni. So that's where I'm at right now. I'm in the middle how, of that. How far into Riverdale are you? Middle of season one. Like, okay. maybe a little bit more than halfway through season one. But it is great. It's great. Um, I remember there was a review in in the AV. So we should say that Riverdale is, is a CW show, but now the, the entire first season is on Netflix, um, at least in the U.S. And uh, there was an AV Club review, I remember, that had the headline that said, Riverdale is the most CW show ever. <laughs> and I think that's completely correct. 100% that is 100% correct. correct. Uh, it's, it's funny because like they list it as a Netflix original in Canada, I think, because we don't have oh, a CW. Yeah. Okay. So... I think that they get full, like it's the only place it's broadcast in Canada. And maybe right. they, they, did they co-produce with the uh, CW? Is that how they did that? I think, I mean, I think Netflix also, if, if they, if they're basically the first broadcaster or the exclusive first broadcaster, they can, they call it a Netflix original uh, and, you know, maybe that exclusive deal helped funded the show or I don't, I don't know. Yeah. But like, uh, if in the U S it's basically just a CW show, but, but in Canada it's within our purview. Yes. But it was like, uh. I mean, I wasn't really intrigued by it because of what you said just said about it being the most CW show ever. So I had no real interest in um, watching it, even though when I was a kid, I used to read a lot of Archie comics, like a lot. Um, I would just buy the digest, you know, the little digest. Sure. Yeah, I, I, had, I had a, I think a couple of the Jughead digests for some reason, and, and read those over and over again. Yeah. Yeah, they were not because I liked it that much, but because there was nothing else in the house that was like exactly. I just wanted something dumb and like entertaining for like because all, especially because the stories were only like you know a lot of times like five pages long or something. Yeah, well, I would get those, and then I would get the um, oh, what's Harvey? The Harvey comics ones, like Casper yeah. and mm-hmm. the Little Devil and all those things. Uh, and I would just just consume them like crazy, voraciously, because it was like. You're going on a family trip. What do you want to do? And then you would go to the convenience store and just buy these. And that's how I would occupy my time because I didn't want to spend it with my family or whatever. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, now kids just do all spend all their time on their smartphones, but we, we couldn't do that. No, we had to read poorly written stories about a teenager and his love triangle, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh they really they really like ramp up the stakes in Riverdale. Uh right. It's a murder mystery. What's that? It's a murder mystery. Yeah. So there is which, murder. Um, yeah. Also, Betty and Veronica make out in the first episode, which is a little bit like, it's different from the comics. Uh, right. Yeah. But So the reason I got into it is Yashad said to me, have you seen Riverdale? Uh, and I said, no. Why, why would you suggest this? And he was like, you have to watch it because every scene is framed like a panel from a comic. He's like, it's amazing. It's throughout it. You feel like everything is framed like it was a drawn panel in a comic. Um, so weirdly, I started watching Riverdale for the cinematography. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that is my favorite is my favorite thing about the show. And I just remember watching, the, especially the pilot, and just like thinking, like I like this is so beautiful. Like it is like amazing. It is an amazing looking show. Yeah. Um, the lighting like, seems, is like. Yeah. Awesome, yeah. The and this the, the scene selection and like the scene setting and the frame setting is all very good. Like way above what you would expect for a show like this to do. Right. Um, I would say the writing not spectacular, especially in like the second half of the of the season. I think it. 
I'm not thrilled with with where some of the storylines went and how the the main mystery was resolved. But yeah, it, I still had a good time. It was. I'm, I'm glad I watched it. I don't. I don't know if I'm going to stick around for season two. I think like that was enough. Season two coming October twelfth. Well, I think also the thing for me is like a lot of these shows that are kind of like very kind of soap opera, like um, like like Gossip Girl or The OC or or a million years ago, like Dawson's Creek. I felt like. They kind of like burn through all the story that's like interesting in like the first season, yeah. And then they really have to start getting super ridiculous in in subsequent years. So I kind of like to just get my like, uh, you know, all the like all the all of that out of the way at the beginning, and then I don't I don't really need to stick with it like when they're like just coming up with random twists to keep the show going for like five or six years. Yeah, that's true. I don't expect it to be to be, <laughs> to top itself with like one season that is like Emmy worthy in the future or anything. So. I guess maybe I have gotten all of my use value out of it. But if they keep doing a good job with the cinematics, though, I think that that could yeah. help. But. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I, I, I watched so much. I feel like I'm just hogging all the I've watched things. But <laughs> I did watch more, too. Do you, you want to hear more? Uh, here, let me, uh, let me talk about one thing. And yeah, then, okay. then you can do one more little <laughs> <our> review. <laughs> uh, so I, I'm, I'm still, I guess, the, yeah, most of my... Uh, TV watching time right now is is going into catching up with with Twin Peaks, um, which again is not a streaming original show, but um, from what I understand, Showtime like really sees it as primarily a show made for like the people like like this is driven more subscriptions to like you know Showtime um, and like you know like and and it's all the viewership is like, you know, time delayed and, and online. Right. Um, the way that HBO is like a huge, huge driver. Or I mean, Game of Thrones right. is a huge driver for HBO. Yeah. Um, except, I mean, it's weird because Game of Thrones is also just a hugely popular show. I think Twin Peaks is not a hugely popular no, show. It's right. less popular than a lot of Showtime's biggest hits. But there's a specific segment of people who love Twin Peaks and, um, you know, did not would not have thought about, you know, signing up for Showtime before. But because of Twin Peaks, they, they did. Um, and so right now I'm 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 behind because I mean Twin Peaks has completely wrapped up but but I kind of stopped while I was while while Game of Thrones was going and so now I'm twelve episodes into the eighteen episode season. It's a full um, eighteen episodes. I didn't realize it was that many. Yeah, it's eighteen episodes. It's been going on for like most of the year. <laughs> uh, and it, have you watched any? Twin no, Peaks? I haven't watched any of the original or the, the return to it. So yeah, so I would say I mean the the original series of Twin Peaks is one of my favorite television shows of all time possibly like if it you know i think there's certain shows like star trek which maybe i love more for sentimental reasons but twin peaks might you know in terms of pure quality twin peaks might actually be my favorite television show of all time um and isn't it also amazing that it was an actual uh broadcast network program Right. There's definitely an element of like, how was this on TV? This doesn't make <laughs> any sense. Um, that's crazy to me. Although it's interesting because you can see that like David Lynch's weirdness has definitely been toned down a little bit right. for the purpose of the show. Um, so he did the show, which kind of ended on this cliffhanger. Then he did this prequel movie, Twin Peaks Fire Walk With Me, which I think has some very, very bad parts, but overall is actually much better than, I think the, it doesn't have a very good reputation, but I think it's actually really, really good. And, and definitely anyone who's a Twin Peaks fan, a fan of the TV series should watch the movie as well. Uh, and then he came back to it, you know, 25 years later. And if you thought the original Twin Peaks was weird, this is like so much weirder. It is like... <laughs> well, this is where he's allowed to be fully himself, right? 
Yeah, right. Because so the 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 the, AB, the the original series, I think he directed something like five out of you know twenty five episodes or something like that. Um, so like most of it was written and directed by other people. He may still have been involved as a showrunner, but um, you know he he only has a directing credit on on something like maybe four or five episodes. Right. Um, and but whereas with uh, the new show, he he Mark he and Mark Frost, uh, who's the other creator of Twin Peaks, um, wrote every wrote all eighteen episodes, and David Lynch directed the entire thing. Yeah, wow! And it is completely insane. <laughs> I mean, I I think it's really good. Or I would say that I like. I just sort of appreciate the fact that it's 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 on. You're just like this. That it exists. In the same way that, yeah, like it's it that that moment of like, how is this possible that this is on television? You have that like a million times more with the new one. You've scenes that like have no apparent purpose that go on for like fifteen minutes. Like every scene goes on longer than you think it should. <laughs> um, and there's just like these long silences, and it's just very puzzling. Um, it sounds. And <laughs> it sounds troubling. It doesn't sound enjoyable. Right. And then the. Uh, there's the eighth episode, which ever you know, if you Google like eighth episode of Twin Peaks, like it is, like it like flashes back. It is both like the most crazy and the most frightening thing that like of that Twin Peaks has ever done. It includes like a flashback to like the initial detonation of the atomic bomb. Oh, there are of these course. like new monsters called like like the Woodsmen. And so like if you like then they, they like, sort of in this very low, terrifying voice, they say, This is the water. This is the well. <laughs> and it's like so frightening. Um it's amazing. Uh so I don't love it the way I love the original Twin Peaks because I think with the original Twin Peaks, I had this very strong emotional connection to the story and the characters. I think the new one is a little bit too crazy for me to feel the same way. I more like appreciate the new Twin Peaks rather than love it, but I'm glad it's on. Well, I think I'm going to watch it based on this, but do, do you, do, should I watch the original first? Oh, yeah. It's like in, I, I mean, as much as it's incomprehensible, like it would be even more incomprehensible to... Uh, someone who hasn't seen the original Twin Peaks. So anyone who has not seen the original Twin Peaks, go watch at the very least the first season of of Twin Peaks. The second season kind of goes off the rails in the second half. Um, what about the movie? The is movie it, is really good. Is it a requirement? I, I like, no, I, oh. I think I mean you can probably get away with. Well, I would say if, if you wanted to, like you could watch, yeah, the first two seasons of the show. And and you'll you or, which is you know just what it existed before, and you would probably skip the movie and want, but like the movie is so good, why would you do that? Yeah. So uh, I think what what you can do is if you really get tired because it is tough to make it through the second season because basically David Lynch left for a while and and it's just not very good and there's just a lot because TV seasons were really long. It's uh, like it's, a. It's like on MasterChef when they do a tag team thing, but like the one doesn't communicate enough. <laughs> yeah. So they're left yeah. totally lost and they're like, I don't know what you're right. making. <laughs> so whenever, if you're watching the second season and the killer has been revealed and you're starting to get bored, you're allowed to jump ahead to the finale. That's what I would say. That's okay. the one thing, the one shortcut I, w- I think you're allowed to do. Okay. I'll take that in mind and I will yeah. watch it because I, I love right. watching stuff and this, right. I can't believe I haven't watched that yet. But. But if if you watch like the first season of Twin Peaks and you're like, this is way too weird for me, then you can probably stop. Okay, <laughs> it's only going to get weirder from there. Okay, 
but he's uh, done, right? Like it, they, this was a by all accounts, season? yeah, yeah. yeah I, that it was this very much this one-time experiment. It doesn't sound like either he or Showtime is super interested in um, in doing it again. Okay, unless fans demand it. Right, right. Um, I don't think David Lynch cares what. <laughs> I mean, if you watch the show and everything, and unfortunately, I have spoiled myself a little bit for the finale. Like. He is definitely a man who does not give a shit about what the fans are. Either he doesn't care, or if he cares, he decided to do the exact opposite. He wanted to be because, spiteful, like, yeah. Right, right. Like, I mean, he again, this is the man who ended Twin Peaks on a cliffhanger, and then when he got to make a Twin Peaks movie, instead of resolving the cliffhanger, he made a prequel. <laughs> you know? I mean, he just... He wants to do his own thing, and that is if, if that if you appreciate that, then yeah. Um, but I think yeah, he doesn't really. I, I, I think he he came back to do Twin Peaks because he had another story he wanted to tell, um, and he's told. Now I think he's now told it. So so I don't think that's anything's going to happen. Um, at least not for you know anytime soon. Okay. Well, still sounds super intriguing. So I'll, I'll definitely put that on the to watch list. Nice. Anything uh, else you want to mention? I'll just quickly mention Million Yen Women is another standout what? on Netflix. Okay. Have you seen any of it? Do you know no. what I'm talking about? Oh, it's no. very, very good. In the first episode, like it's a Japanese original show, but in the first episode, um, they explain the premise to you right away. Uh, a failed novelist lives with uh, five five beautiful women is the actual wording of the like tagline but <laughs> with a question mark yeah so the way that they came is they all showed up at his house uh and then he was told to let them live there by a fax machine and they each pay a million yen per month rent which is like ten thousand dollars which is a lot of money um and there but there are rules and he's one of the rules is he's not allowed to ask them any questions <laughs> Uh, but he has to take care of them, like cook the dinner and like clean up and stuff. It's very, very strange, but it's I, great. I don't think I understood any of that, but okay. No, you did, and it still <laughs> did. <laughs> okay. But there's like, there's a weird, it's like, it's such a strange thing. I was like, is this a goofball comedy? And then you watch it and it's like, no, this is like a moody, weird murder mystery. It's very, very strange, but very compelling and enjoyable. Um, it feels kind of like a like you got a writing exercise in creative writing class, and you were just like you you were given this bizarre premise as an exercise to begin with, and then had to work your way backwards. But uh, yeah, super interesting. Uh, I'm one episode in, so I mean maybe it's just awful off after this. But I yeah, so far great, really recommend it. I don't think it's that many episodes too. All right. Yeah, um, that's my so, goal to watch. That was just a warm up, though, for the main review, which is again of American Vandal. American Vandal. Yeah. Also on Netflix. And we will again have a section where we just sort of talk about our general impressions and then we'll move into spoilers. Yeah. So do you want to give a real quick uh, general impression? Sure. So we should. So uh, American Vandal is, I, I think, the creators or people who. Shoot, they either worked for College Humor or Funny or Die. I can't remember now. Uh, Funny or Die. Funny or Die, yeah. Um, and it is basically a parody of shows like The Jinx or Making a Murderer um, or, to use like a radio example, The Serial. Um, and it's basically these uh, 
at this high school, someone has gone around and just drawn a bunch of dicks on all the teachers' cars. Yeah. And yeah. and I saw the trailer for this and I like a while <laughs> ago, and I thought it was just a one-off funnier die post that people were sharing on Facebook. I didn't realize that it was an actual <laughs> full program. Right, which we should get back to in just a second. <laughs> so, yeah, is um so the the the, the conceit is that they the, they basically the school has like picked their likely, you know, guilty the perpetrator and and they've and they've expelled him and that he's probably going to, you know, face charges or whatever. And so these two students on like the you know the the AV club <laughs> essentially are are making a you know a, a making a murder style documentary where they're going to figure out what really happened. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and and well, it, to me, yeah, it feels to me like something that uh, could have. Well, no, I, so it's weird because I I do think it's a little. I, so I've seen four episodes. So I haven't seen the Netflix actually provided oh, the, basically shame, the full season. For shame, Anthony. But I've I've seen half of it and. And I think part of it is like it just feels like everything is a little bit too long. Like every episode is more. It's not even that it's like the length of like a sitcom or a sitcom, Simpsons episode would be like you know usually about twenty twenty five minutes. Like each episode is like thirty five minutes, and it just kind of drags for me. But at the same time, I'm glad it's not just like one skit. Like because they do they are, they can go on all these really weird tangents. It like is is really fun that like you have. That they can take the time to just, you know, like investigate whether, you know, this one character, you know, made out with another character uh, at camp. Made out is a euphemism. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> uh, like, yeah, like, the, I do like that they can just, it, it's the, 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 the basic joke is just that they're applying this kind of very serious, in-depth, investigative style to something that's incredibly stupid. And there are times when that's really funny. Yes. Yeah. Um, so I think, I mean, it's it's tough because I have seen them all. And I will say, I think that if you watch the full series, it it takes an interesting turn that, that maybe corrects for that feeling that you've had of like, okay. they've spent too long on things. But it's like... Because, yeah, at first I was like, how can they draw this out? Like, I, I watched it because I thought it was, I, I was like, oh, this is a funny two and a half minute video or whatever that was shared. And that's, I thought, was the end of it. So then when I saw that it was a full series, I again thought it was a joke. And then I realized, oh, no, this is a real actual series. How can they possibly do, uh, what is it, 10 episodes? Eight episodes. Eight, Eight episodes. episodes. Half hour episodes on this whole, this one subject, right? Like, it's a great joke. How can you draw it out for uh, four hours, uh, right. which is what it amounts to, right? More than four hours. More than four hours. But to me, they pulled it off, and they did it, in a, and it was an amazing. Like I, I, this is one of the best things I think I've watched this year uh, for me. Which is again, maybe because I've seen the rest of it, but I can't recommend this highly enough. So obviously I can't argue with that since I'm not that far, <laughs> as yes, far into it. I win. I will say that I just—it's not even that I object to it being eight episodes. Is I think that the of that of the episodes I've seen so far, almost all of them could be ten minutes shorter. Right. And I would I would not like I don't think we would have like lost anything. Yeah. Okay. That. Um, uh, I guess you, the last thing I would say is oh. I mean I'm sounding a little more negative than I, I mean I enjoyed it. I think like 
they really I mean obviously like there are things where no high schools like could like no high school students could have created something like this right. where like they have like computer graphics showing like <laughs> yeah, they have very know, crime scenes and things like that but that there are other ways in which they really like stick like you really believe this is a real high school like one thing is just like all the high school students are kind of like ugly and poorly dressed in the way yeah. and dumb in the way that I you know I think we all were were in high school yeah, they did and a good you, job with all the cast. Like, I don't know. I mean, I kind of, I thought I recognized the main character, Dylan, but I didn't recognize anyone else. And that was the strength, right? It was like all unknowns. So it felt like a true, like it could be a true documentary, which is the intended effect, right? Right, exactly. And that, I mean, I think I was looking up some of the actors and I do think like like any, you know, actor in a high school show, a lot of them are not actually in high school anymore. They're like, you know, 18, 19, 20, 21. Right. Um, but they look young enough that they could actually be in It's not like, you know, I think you watch some other scripted shows and like everyone's just incredibly attractive. Riverdale. And they all look it's like... perfect example. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like the, 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 and again, Riverdale's not going for realism. But um, that here, it's like everyone's sort of like dressed dumpily and like looks like they're actually like 16. Looks like a teen, and, like, yeah. Except yeah, for Dylan looks, again. But he was like also... Yeah, D- Dylan and his friends... <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah. His friends look like they're 30. Oh, that's <laughs> yeah, another rough yeah. thing to say, but they do. Yeah. They really do. Uh, yeah, so then, I mean, I want to move into the spoiler section, but I'm right, curious, is this going to be a spoiler section for you as well? Yeah, you're gonna, you can spoil me. That's <sighs> We're going to do it. We're going to okay. do it. Okay, that's Here we a, lot go. Of, a lot of responsibility. Uh, yeah, so I think that what you're missing out of it maybe is that like, in the later episodes, they really do a lot of callbacks to the stuff that they set up in the in the early episodes. Okay, and they and they call back and they even call back like the stupidity of it. Like a plot point of the later episodes is uh, why did Peter Maldonado, the main guy, like document some of this stuff? Like, wasn't he just being a dick? <laughs> like that actually is <laughs> brought up explicitly to him by other characters who who are depicted poorly or or maybe like the too much is shared about them right, right. Uh, sarah pearson in particular like calls him out at a party um because she shared his like or her hookup list right and she's the character right. anthony was referring earlier uh somebody lying about a makeout it was not a makeout it was in a it was in a hand job right uh, i was trying to i didn't want to spoil people <laughs> about the hand job yeah, so the one character uh, who is like not a cool guy uh, says that he got a hand job from Sarah McCain or Sarah Pearson uh, at camp, and then there's like a whole episode establishing why he's an unreliable witness because he basically has said a lot of bullshit to try to make himself look cool. Which I think you know we can all sympathize with similar characters or similar behavior depending right um, maybe not like lying about people performing sexual acts right but right exaggerating certain things yeah 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 like meeting celebrities or whatever i'm trying to think of if i have any actual examples that i can provide but I, uh, I, none come to mind i was great i was perfect <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah so i think like that makes up for a lot of that stuff like and and it was it was very good because when they're doing that's not that's just one example of one of these callbacks but like when they're doing these callbacks it's you're it's stuff that you're like you chuckled at before like it seemed very light and like just a throwaway joke but then you're like oh no wait they were using it 
for this, for whatever the, the red herring or like the flip flop is on like who is responsible for it. So that's because I mean, I, I will say even of the, of the four that I saw, like the fourth was definitely the strongest and probably because it sort of of everything that had gone before where like, um, that it opens with <laughs> this uh, phone call with this lawyer who's, uh, like, like I'm not, <laughs> I'm not a lawyer in this area, and they're like, and he's clearly just like oh, the his co- cousin. My cousin, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then, and there's like this joke where he's just like, I don't like that I'm on this call in the first place. But then at the end of that scene, Peter suddenly jumps on him, and he's like, Oh, hi, I'm the guy making the documentary. Yeah. Who are you? This. I'm sorry, who are you? I'm the documentarian. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just this long pause, and then you just hear this voice say, "That's a terrible idea." <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think like it's one of those things where if 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 you included that in the first episode, that would have been kind of funny. But having it where like you're so deep into this project, um, I think like yeah, it makes it really good. Yeah, I think it had a lot of great uh, like those great comedic moments. Like it had enough of those to sustain. Even the stuff that I found kind of like less interesting or more of a whatever. Like I didn't wasn't sure why they had it in there. Like the jokes that they pulled off were fantastic, and it was it, it's true like a cross cast too. That was what was so great about it. Like the kid, the Peter Maldonado kid who plays the documentarian is perfectly cast. Uh, he seems like the AV guy who would be trying to do this kind of project like in high school. His buddy Sam Eklund is also good. He's also somebody who I think I might have recognized, but still right. definitely looks like a, a real teen, right? Right. And so those are their character names. The actors' names are Tyler Alvarez and Griffin Gluck. Yes. Uh, yeah. Tyler is Peter and Griffin is Sam uh, Eklund there. Um, but yeah, they had like, uh, who was Gabby Granger, played by uh, Camille Hyde, was their, what did they call her? Director of Transportation? Yeah, transpo. Because she had a van. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. One of the yeah. So one of the great things is they have is that the credit sequence is done as if it's like this was a real student documentary. So like everyone who gets credited is like they're credited by their character names and for their roles in making this dumb documentary. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I didn't even notice that until maybe like the third or fourth episode in or whatever. And then I was like, oh, that's very, very good. Well done. Well done. Uh, I think they have the real credits at the end, right? Right. Yeah, yeah. 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 But everybody, everybody in the cast was perfect. His, what was the name of his crew? It's a very good name. The Wayback Boys. The Wayback Boys. <laughs> and then you're like, what, what could, what possibly could that, you're like, I wonder what the story is there. And he's like, it's because we go way back. <laughs> <laughs> Which is just so stupid. It's yeah. so perfect. Yeah. Yeah. The guy, Jimmy Tatro, who plays Dylan. I mean, Dylan is just so, so perfect because he's so dumb. He's very he's, dumb. And it's, oh, very, I love it so much. He delivers it with like a hundred percent, like, it's very convincing. You're just like, yeah. yes. I buy this. He, so, so committed to the, to the role. Like, very, very good. Um, and, but, you know, in, and that, and again, spoilers, but, like, that becomes a thing later, too. Like, what's weird about the ending is that it does kind of do a serious message at the end. Like, there's a point when uh, they're at a party, a post-prom party, and uh, Dylan shows up and the Wayback Boys are already there. And they're, so, I mean, again, another spoiler, but, like, Dylan didn't do it and he gets exonerated, right? Um, okay. But, like. Who did it? Who did it? Tell you me. You want to know who did it? Okay. I so, they know. don't actually give you a firm 100% who did it, but it seems very, very likely that Krista Carlisle did it. 
um, played by someone credited as just G. Hanelius. So just uh, G. <laughs> Krista Carlyle, who's like the like class president and like activist. Activist one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. And she's like uh, on the, she has all, remember she's in their, their group of, What's that? Like the, 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 I forget, the something nine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who are on the, the nine people who had access to the uh, footage to like delete the security cameras. Yeah. Cause they all produced the morning TV show. Right. Um, which is also very funny because the morning TV show looks like exactly what you would imagine a morning TV show at like a, you know, an upper end high school where they have access to that kind of stuff. But like they, it looks like shit. Right. And then the documentary is gorgeous, like <laughs> rival. Right. Uh, making a murder in terms of like actual film quality and stuff. Uh, but they comment on that too. So they're, it's very good when they do the broadcast. So that they show the, the, the show, the show has been going up on YouTube as he's been producing it and putting out episodes. So it eventually becomes a bit meta because all the kids are like into the show. Um, and the show ends up saving Peter Maldonado from getting expelled from fool, for, from school himself because he's challenging all the teachers and the principals and stuff. Right. Um, but they show it at this party, and Dylan is he's like, "Oh, I love how you did that. I love how you got my face, my eyes like that." Like <laughs> he's, he's talking about like the tight close-ups and like the film quality. Uh, and then, but then when they do that, they go into the intro. They show the intro of the actual show, which was hilarious when you watch it because they're like who could have done it was it this guy or this guy like they show all the people in the in the yearbook and then they center on dylan and they're like or was it this guy and then they go cut to all of his classmates saying oh dylan did it dylan's a fucking idiot like all that stuff and that's shown to dylan who's like really excited to see the show because he's basically friends with peter now and it just destroys him basically and then he oh. what's that i said that's really sad it's very sad and then he does draw a huge dick on the he he spray paints a dick on the driveway of the teacher um the female teacher i forget what her the name spanish is. teacher yeah the spanish teacher uh and he's like oh miss shapiro and he's like I didn't do it. And then they're like, their neighbors have footage and he clearly was caught doing it. And they're like, why did he do it? And he's like, everybody thought that I did it anyway. Like he's basically the, the culmination of the show is Dylan becomes what everybody just decided that he was supposed to be. And they, it ends with like a message narrated by Maldonado about how it's very, very stupid to uh, like, it again goes, calls back to the start and takes something that was a throwaway joke at the start and makes it serious. Cause it's like, he, it's Dylan saying, it's the very introductory thing. It's like, who are you? Tell us who you are and tell us what you do. Or or tell us your name and tell us who you are is what it is, right? And Dylan says, like, I'm Dylan, whatever. Um, and then he's like, and who you are? Like, what does that even mean? What, do you, what I don't understand. What does that mean? Like, I'm Dylan. And it ends with that, but it turns the meaning around to be like, why do we force, like, people are defined in high school because we essentially force them to be defined like we define them by our actions and by our treatment of them and then they're sort of saddled with that for the rest of their lives and it's very stupid that we do that to people who are in that impressionable state i guess so it's like weird because it comes back to that like it still has jokes and stuff towards the end but it, it ends on that kind of note and you're like 
it, it was weird. It was heavy, but it was like also very nice because it was surprising for it to get there, but it was also like natural for it to get there. Like it felt like it didn't feel forced or anything. Yeah. And the, and you're complicit, right? Like that was the other good thing about it was they were like, you were, you were these people too. Like you were laughing right along with them. You have some culpability here, right? Right. Yeah. Uh, it was not where I thought the show was going to go at all, but. Huh. Okay. All right. I, I like that. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I ruined it for you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm probably going to, I'm probably going to finish it. Yeah, finish it, yeah. and then you can see okay. if you, if you if okay. it had the same kind of like if it, if it convinced you if it brought you along for the ride. But it it slowly gets there because it introduces some parts that are heavier around like uh, uh, Sam, Sam like really likes Gabby, and right. like eventually it comes out that Gabby's boyfriend was cheating on her, and they have proof of it brandon galloway um and and like sam like kind of like gleefully shows it to her right and they capture that and like he looks like a asshole and right peter calls him out as an asshole and it was like serious and it breaks them up and then the stuff between like dylan and uh his girlfriend uh mac like that ends up taking a pretty dark turn too and like mac's parents have like some pretty troubling stuff going on and then at one point they actually set up them as the red herring like um it takes a turn where dylan and they they imply dylan and mac did it together and he, and peter even like says like this is definitely what happened and accuses them both of like tricking him and like collaborating behind his back to do it and yeah it, it it's weird it's it like at first you're like oh this is gonna be like a joke that is just extended over these eight episodes but then and i and it's like really right after where you are it starts taking this turn <laughs> and and it becomes like a more like real depiction of what high school would be like because if you think about it like the stakes are real right like it's hilarious that they're chasing somebody for drawing dicks on all these cars but it is like a hundred thousand dollars worth of damage and an actual he's expelled from school yeah it's a he gets expelled it's an actual felony you could actually do jail time for it if people were inclined to to give you jail time for it like yeah so it's it's uh it was it was i thought it was great it, it was like way better than i was expecting it to be i had low all right, expectations. all right i'll i'll finish it on the on the flight to san francisco now. <laughs> sorry that just felt like it was like a stream of me talking but. <laughs> no i mean that's great because it was like it felt like you were talking like, to the which i mean either says something about the show or about your own like emotional problems but like you're definitely <laughs> talking about them like the real people and you're like and then this this person talked to this person and oh my god it was so upsetting yeah which yeah. is definitely you know not my relationship with it yet but maybe in the next four that's how we're gonna get there yeah, I think, I mean, I just keep watching. I think that the one thing, and it is worth bringing up, is that it is a very white show. It's just like a bunch of white kids going to a white high school, basically, right? I like, think that's not entirely, like, like, Gabby's not white, right? And I think there's a couple other, like, um, like Hispanic um, yeah, yeah. actors and actresses. Um, so it's not entirely white, I think. Yeah. But it, I think there's also like a fair amount of actors who you couldn't, you wouldn't necessarily say definitively what their ethnicity was. Right. But it could also, uh, like, I mean, you could also argue that that's the, the, its position, right? Like where it's from. Like it's set in like, what is it set? Like Southern California somewhere, I think, right? Yeah. 
Yeah. So there definitely should have been more Asians. Although there there is like this pretty amazing segment on like this like Asian like uh, <laughs> like this Chinese exchange student, which is just uh, I don't know if he comes back, but it was yes. really really good. He's there throughout, and he has some really great scenes uh, later on too. But yeah. He's not that that one like the extended one where they introduce him and describe him or whatever yeah. is is the best by far. He's one of the the potentials because he has the access, right? Right. Yeah. The the something something nine. Yeah. 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 This is horrible, but he's like not even listed on the right. IMDb. Page. Right. So yeah, the part of this now that like Daryl and I have both been like caught like not knowing cast members' names and stuff in the um in, in past episodes. I think we both now have the IMDb page open as we're uh, as we're talking, but I don't think he's on here. Which is no, messed up. I don't think so messed either. Up. This one seems really not filled out, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's like a lot of like popular girl and then like missing faces and stuff but i think that's part of like how they use this cast of all relative unknowns but i think like a lot of the writers aren't on here maybe oh yeah yeah and they didn't i and like another cheat this is more behind the scenes but i usually go to the wikipedia page to remind myself of the plot (laughs) Uh, (laughs) and this one doesn't have it but i guess it's because it's not even out yet it's not even out yet as we're recording this yeah right but I, and I and I want to say like conversely too to like your uh, your statement about it being quick like half an hour or whatever uh, or long I felt right. like it was quick for me for some reason it felt like we were just burning through them like I was watching it with my girlfriend but uh, oh am I allowed to watch it with my girlfriend <laughs> probably technically <laughs> not Netflix just tell her not listen. to tweet about yeah. it <laughs> she honored the embargo as well so it's fine <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah it's it was like. If we really went through it quick, we went through it in I think two sessions, four episodes each. So, wow. Okay, there yeah. you go. Uh, another highlight for me is uh, Mr. Kras. I'll just say that I thought. Oh yeah, he he's possibly my favorite character. <laughs> he's he great. And, yeah, and Dylan. Yeah, are my two favorite characters. Kras gets better too as you go on. So he w- he wouldn't want us to call him Mister. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Uh, okay, yeah, I think that, should that about do it then? Do you want to wrap yeah, up? that sounds good. All right, um, so thanks for joining us uh, on Original Content. Please subscribe and like us in Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen, and join us next week. Yeah, hopefully we'll be recording in person in San Francisco. That's right, yeah, we'll be there for Disrupt, which you should also tune into on TechCrunch.com. Um, I think we're both, are you doing stage stuff this year? Uh, I'm doing the startup battlefield, but but they, that's all they they just want me to be a pretty face to inter, in, uh, introduce people. I don't yes. have to actually interview anyone. Anthony runs the entire startup battlefield, which is one of the most difficult jobs. So tune in for that. Um, it's every afternoon portion of the show, and I have three interviews, including um, uh, <laughs> I don't <even> remember <laughs> some uh, people. They work in technology. Sebastian Thrun, which I'm very very oh. excited. Oh, about. Oh, cool. So yeah, that should be fun. Uh, yeah, and we'll see you next week. All right, bye.